Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. Fighting, there's no middle ground, right? Like, there's either the best of the best or the worst of the worst. So it's like jumping out of a plane to go skydiving. Either your chute opens and it's amazing, or you hit the ground and it's horrible. There's never like a middle in between, like, well, that was good and we tied. I also feel like the a real martial artists, like the true ones that practice the craft and they have enough experience, they're not the ones that have to act like a tough guy. Like they're not trying to pound their chest and have all this machismo stuff. It's like they don't need it because they literally know how dangerous they are and there's nothing to prove. So I, I've found that like usually the ones that are the most legitimately a dangerous weapon are not the ones that are barking the loudest. Chris and Whitney, welcome oh. to the show. How you doing? We're here. We, <laughs> we, we are here. What part of the world are you guys in? Den Denver? Yeah, we're in Denver. That's All right. right. And, and you're and in Italy. I am in Florence, Italy. Long way that, from Denver and very different. Very cool. We're going <laughs> soon to Italy. We're excited. I, so. I, I know. We're going we're gonna to chat all about that today. And I'm super excited to have the two of you guys on the show because we share the same love of travel and fitness and entrepreneurship. And I think that we'll be able to help a lot of people who are in some of those spaces individually, but maybe not collectively. And really just to help them to achieve life at a more fulfilling level because, you know, like sort of like looking in at your journey, there's, you know what, I'm on my roughly 400th episode of doing this and there's, there's no exact science to who's perfect for the show. It's more like a feeling. And mm -hmm. I, I just have a lot of questions I want to ask you guys about your journey. And I just really feel like when I, when I'm interested, they're interested. You know what I mean? Yes. Love yeah. it. Well, we're glad we made the cut. Yeah. We, you met, you absolutely did make the cut. So, okay. So I think the way I'm going to do this, I don't think I've ever had a couple on the show before. So we're going to play a little bit of ping pong. So it's going to be, we're going to kind of do like Whitney, Chris, and we'll go back and forth. Is that cool? Perfect. Perfect. All right. So we're going to start ladies first. I think a, a good place to start would be Idaho. So you grew, <laughs> you grew up in a Mormon family in yeah. the nineties in, in, I almost said Ohio in Idaho. Could yeah. you paint a picture 
it's so foreign from my head that I can't even say the word Idaho, right? Because I've never been there. I don't know. I don't know anybody who's been there. Could you paint a picture of what it was like growing up in a Mormon environment mm -hmm. in Idaho in the 90s, I think? Mm -hmm. Yes, it was interesting. I'm very glad that I was raised that way in a lot of ways. My life went a different route. <laughs> since. But it was a lot of good values. It was definitely, you know, you're taught to be very conservative. You're taught to go to church multiple times a week to not drink or, you know, no sex before marriage, no coffee, caffeine, no, you know, joy in life, basically, in a lot of ways. And I just kind of remember thinking that from the beginning, like, you know, as intuition, you have intuition as a kid, you have intuition as a, with your spirit throughout your entire life, no matter how young, old you are. And I think I always sort of felt a little unsettled in terms of this is not exactly the right fit for me. This is not necessarily what I believe, but I was good at following the rules and I kind of played along for a long time. And there were a lot of good things that I took out of it in terms of values and just spirituality and believing in a higher power in general, which is something that I believe in. But I also think that it, I had to, and it forced me to really at a young age, start to think for myself and separate what people were telling me I needed to do, think, believe, and what really felt right to me. So in a lot of ways, it was a very valuable experience because I had to kind of think on my own and be brave enough to break apart from things that didn't feel right intuitively. So it was interesting. You know, Idaho is a conservative place anyways, but... I kind of grew up with the love of the outdoors, which I've carried with me today. Love of the outdoors. You know, my dad was a big uh, sportsman, hunter, fisher. We did a lot of that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I got to see a lot of really interesting stuff with the church and human nature and what happens. Like my biggest thing with the church was I didn't like the shame or the fear tactics or guilt or judging others. To me, it was always like, what about the basics of being a good person and just being kind to others, right? It was sort of like, and don't get me wrong, Mormons are some of the nicest people as well, but I think any religion sort of has that like, I'm better than you. Let's compete for who is going to be going to the highest level of, of he heaven, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> who's a better person. And to me, it just, that stuff felt really icky. And that stuff felt like, you know, that's not being Christ-like or that's not what my God is like, you know, judging and condemning and all this stuff. So yeah, it was sort of like, let me get back to the basics of just being a good person. And then- Was it I difficult when you left with your family Yes and no. I think it was by the time I went to college, because I went, I played the role all the way up until BYU. I went to college for two years in a Mormon university. And even in my, you know, even at my university, I was like, this is not the right fit. But it was good school. And it was sort of like I was just kind of doing what I thought was the best thing. And I finally, once I broke away, I was in college. My family sort of, at that point, they kind of know me. I'm stubborn. I do my thing. I'm sort of like, you kind of can't tell me anything. I don't ask anyone for help. It was like, look, we can still have a great relationship and be close and be tight as a family and love each other just as much. And I'm going to kind of 
discover what works for me in spirituality. And hopefully we can still keep our relationship intact. And my family, they're awesome people. Like we're still super close to this day about all of it. You know, like nobody really pressured me, but you know, I think it hurt my, you know, my mom is still very active. She's very, you know, still believes in it. She still will bear her testimony to me. And I totally respect her beliefs. I'll still go to church with her, but I think she knows at this point I'm a good person and that's the stuff that matters. So we've kind of reconciled those differences. In yeah, a lot it's, of ways. It's, it's interesting. I was, I was walking. Have you guys been to Florence before? No, no. Okay. So, you know, the big bridge in Florence, if you've ever seen pictures of it, I, I live like literally it's right outside my window here and it's called the uh, Ponte Vecchio. And I was walking down the street and I saw the Mormon kids doing their, what do they call that when they go on there, you know, where they travel the world. The missions. Oh, yeah. They were doing their mission yeah. thing. And I was like, here too, you guys are everywhere. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, like, Chris. <laughs> Conversely, you grew up, Chris, in uh, Colorado. You were raised by your mom. And, you know, your mom worked two jobs to keep you and your, your brother fed, right? And I, 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 it's, it's not easy to feed these two guys, right? Especially, you know, when you're, when you're trying to, you know, create this, this passion that you have for MMA. In, in what ways did the way your mom raised you affects who you are today? Oh, man. That's a great question. <laughs> uh, a lot of ways, actually. So, well, first, so I, I've got a sister, too. So there was three of us growing up. Okay. Had that one in there. But the, but the, but the two boys were, were both pursuing MMA, yeah? Yeah, my brother fought in the UFC for a minute, too. So, yeah, I think most of like what I have come to be now, I think is from that time with her, um, watching her struggle so much when my dad, when my dad left, my mom didn't go to college or anything like that. She wanted to be a stay at home mom. That's what he wanted her to be forever. So she didn't pursue her dreams or anything. So when he was just gone, it was like minimum wage jobs from there. Yeah. She didn't have, she didn't have past work experience, anything like that. So she was working, you know, during the day, then she would come home for a couple hours, then she worked nights. So watching like all the things that she went through, it kind of taught me like the value of hard work, but it also gave me drive to want more. How can I put that? And that, well, that's not her fault. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like, I've got to like strive for more in the beginning, not let people deter me from my dreams. Cause that's kind of what happened to her. She got deterred from her dreams. Um, so by sort of by contrast of her, like we, we all want for our children, what we didn't have, right. That's the American dream in some way or another. We, we didn't get it. So we want to make sure our kids get it. So I, I would suspect that the contrast of what she didn't have, that that in, was, was imparted to you in, in the form of drive to be able to say, yeah. Hey, you go do it. I'll, I'm going to work, but you get out there and, and, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you so that you can live your dreams. And she was actually paying for both of you guys, right. To, to be able to uh, train. Is that right? No, not, not with like mixed martial arts. So I started doing that at 18. Um, I moved out at seven, but she did cover, I played every sport you can think of, you know, I played football, baseball, swimming, wrestling, rugby, you name it. I played soccer, every sport that you can think of, I played, and those aren't cheap. 
but I always seemed able to do it. You know, she was, she was always pushing me to do any like sports activities, anything that we wanted. And, you know, it doesn't always click when you're, you're a kid, you know, you think money, money's endless for the most part. And then as an adult, when I grow up, I'm like, man, how did my mom afford to have three kids Crazy. on minimum wage jobs? Like when some of us are out here just struggling to survive now and we, we well, do pretty well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Whitney, you were also into sports as well. As a kid, just just like Chris, you explored all types of athletic <laughs> things. But you landed on strength training. You 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 stepped into dancing for a minute and you you realized you were you were white girl dancing and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't for you. And you're like, okay, so barbells are more my thing. How, why did you land on that? What was what was it about that world that excited you? So like you said, I had tried a different sports. I was terrible at all of them for some reason. It was just something wasn't clicking for me. So my dad ended up taking me to the gym and kind of showing me how to throw some weights around. And for me, it was like, okay, I can handle this. There's not too much coordination, <laughs> hand-eye coordination that confuses right. me. I don't and, have to dance, dance with the dumbbells. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to follow all these steps at once. So I, and it really just helped me build my confidence. I had so much athletic energy that I just was like, I just need a, a way to like an outlet. So yeah. once I got to the gym, it was like, I felt that just that confidence. It really gave me kind of my power back of like, I can, I can, you know, in my own hands, kind of like shape my body, strengthen myself. You know, it, felt, it gave me this element of like, empowerment, control over my destiny. I just loved it. And just the hormones that are released in exercise anyways, is just helped me with my mood and helped me kind of manage. I was going, I had a lot of like chronic pain and issues as a, growing up and as a young adult. So nutrition and weights and, and fitness in general, it helped me just feel better, like feel mm -hmm. alive. You know, it helped me manage my chronic pain, my migraines. It helped me just feel like I could actually live a better life and a better quality of life. So I was hooked Got right it. away. And I wasn't embarrassing myself. Right. <laughs> right. You know, are you familiar with, there's a, there's a gal, a friend of mine, her name's uh, Lori Harder. Do you know that name? Sounds really familiar. Okay. So she, she's, you give her a Google. She sort of like went down the same path as you. And I remember when I was talking with her, she said the same thing. She, you know, she did, she did some fitness competition and she, what's the one where you have to jump up in the air and spin around and do flips. And it's like, they do it at bodybuilding. Oh, 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 I know what you're talking about. They used to do this. Is bodybuilding yeah. stuff too? They, yeah. Yeah. It's like girl, girls will do bikini They'll do bodybuilding, but then there's a, th there's a yeah. thing where you flip, you know what I'm talking about? She used to do that stuff, but she, you know, she was, but so she was telling me about the time she was very good at that gymnastics part, but mm -hmm. they wanted all those gymnasts to do a dance thing at the ends. And she's like, like could not make it happen. And she's like, I like, she won bikini fitness. That's what they call it. Fitness. She won bikini. Yeah. She won fitness, but but couldn't do that. Chris, you were not dancing in rugby, but you were a rugby guy. Can you sort of take me back to that moment where you went, Hey, I, I hear, I'm hearing about this thing called MMA fighting. And I think I might want to get into this, I, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, but I might, can you take me back to like where you were and when this started for you? Yeah. So <clears throat> 
I played rugby for a little bit. I ended up going to college and playing on a basically a club team. It wasn't some big university that had a great team, but I played there for a semester. And then I ended up leaving the college. Basically, once the season was over, I was like, this place isn't for me. I'm out. That was kind of the only reason I was staying, honestly, because I enjoyed that. So I came back home and I was just working some like odd jobs and going to a community college. And a friend of mine who I grew up wrestling with, because wrestling is what I started with through school and everything, called me and told me about this gym that he was going to and that I should go with him. So it was a jujitsu and kickboxing gym, which I had heard of, but I didn't, I didn't actually go there planning to do MMA or fight or anything like that. I just fell into it for the most part. I went because I, I like to work out and I was looking for something to do while I was working and going to school. So I went in there just with the intention of learning jujitsu and kickboxing for a workout. And after the first day, I was hooked and I kind of started going every day for probably six, seven months. And the coach asked me if I was interested in trying a fight. But before any of that, I didn't actually go there planning on doing MMA or, or fighting people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fighting people. <laughs> for sport. Yeah. Technically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was more just by luck and accident at the same time. And I happened to walk into a gym that was owned by a guy that was formerly in the UFC and was a really good coach. Because I would have gone to any gym, honestly. It was in my neighborhood, so that's the one I went to. And I was just fortunate enough that it was an experienced coach that knew how to like get me into it. So what was it or is it? about fighting that gets you going. What do you like about that? Because when I think about, I always try and put myself in somebody else's shoes. I, I'm the guy where if there's a fight happening, I'm running across the street as far as I possibly, like I'm more, I'm more interested in getting my nails done than, than, than like, like I, I'm, I can't even understand how you could even consider getting in a ring and, and so that's the first part of the question. Second part of the question is, is there any, okay. So when two lawyers, it's always shocked me when two lawyers are in court and they're going at each other and then they go out for drinks, you know, it's just, it's work. You know what I mean? Is it that way for you when you're in the ring and you're just fighting somebody and you're like, Oh, that was good, dude. Like, like how do you not make it personal? <laughs> yeah, <Great> so, <laughs> um, how do I do it? I guess I've just, I've always loved competition one. Like I'm a very competitive person. If Whitney and I go bowling or we play pool or anything, <laughs> I'm going to crush her. I'm not going to like take you. <laughs> you are going down. <laughs> I mean, it comes with like guards, no checkers, whatever. I, I'm very competitive. I think that's with siblings, you know, growing up. Maybe that's what maybe because yeah. she's pretty competitive with her siblings. <laughs> but I just take it to another level. I like to win at everything. So I'm I'm very competitive. I've always loved contacts. And then the fact that this sport, like the highs are the highest, the lows are the lowest. So you get that um adrenaline dump, you get that those what sport I'm looking for? Endorphin. Endorphin. Dopamine, endorphins, yeah. that that the runner's high, yeah. Yeah, winning is like the ultimate high of just like yeah. yes. And losing is like the ultimate yes. low. So 
I guess it's like the risk reward system. You risk so much that the reward is worth so much to you and that feeling. So you chase it like a drug, you know, I always tell people fighting, there's no middle ground, right? Like there's either the best of the best or the worst of the worst. So it's like jumping out of a plane to go skydiving. Either your chute opens and it's amazing or you hit the ground and it's horrible. There's never like a middle in between like, well, that was good and we tied. (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean, you either won or you didn't win. Do you, is there any personal part of it? How do you separate your emotions if you have any towards the other person when you get into a ring with them? Uh, A lot of it is experience because in the beginning you don't. There's only been a few guys that I've fought that I really don't like. One one guy is one of my best friends. Him and I fought in the UFC. Like Whitney's met him. We hang out with him and his wife, but we fought each other years ago. And I fought some guys that I was friends with prior to the fight. It's more, to me, it's a sport and a competition. I don't know if you grew up playing football when you were younger, but when I played my friends when I was younger, if my friend had the ball, I'm going to tackle him harder than everybody else on the team because he's my friend. Yeah. So, <laughs> to show him. Um, fighting is kind of the same way. You're You're competing, but even if it's a friend, it's not personal. We both chose to do it. We both get paid a lot of money to do it. There's no animosity after. I mean, I've gone out and had beers with guys that I just fought that night. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say, but it it comes from the training room part of it because you can get beat up training every day and the coach isn't going to stand for you attacking the guy that beat you up. You just start to learn it's a competition and leave it there. No hard feelings and have a short memory. How much of the physical side, how long can you do this before you're just getting too old? You know, can you Tom Brady this thing? I don't know. I think I've got a few more years left. I've, I've been fortunate enough to not have any like serious injuries. I've never had surgery. I don't know. I think about it, but I try not to necessarily put a time on it because then I feel like that will be in the back of my head and kind of a negative thing. If you're planning on exiting something, I feel like your performance will start to diminish because you're already planning your next thing. Oh yeah. Um, It's like the employee that you have that gives you two weeks notice. You're like, leave now because the next two two weeks are going to be shit. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) since meeting Whitney, her and I, our our lives seem to mesh so well. We're starting these retreats and everything. And and a lot of this is stuff for when I'm done fighting, we're going to overlap it, but you know, I don't want to just quit. And then what am I going to do? You know, I got to have a job. I've got to do something I enjoy. I want to roll it into something else I enjoy, not going to like a corporate job that I hate. (laughs) So we're in a sense planning for the future with these retreats and other income sources. I love it. We're going to, we're going to dig in. We're going to dig into that. Whitney, you've got a, an app and I, you know, I made a, I made a decision that before I did this interview, I was going to I was going to give it a couple of weeks and see how I liked it. So I've, I'm, I'm fit with wit. I'm all about it. And you, are you? So, so I'll give you, uh, I'll I'll give you some feedback, right? So, you know, when I, when I first got into it, when I went to the gym here in Italy, by the way, I think I'm the only person that works out in this entire country, but that's another (laughs) conversation. Um, I, I went into the gym and I, 
I did not understand your training philosophy in advance. I just opened the app and just did what you told me to do. And it was, it, it was very well laid out. It was pretty clear, except I didn't realize that everything was like three rounds. So I did the first <laughs> one and I went, all right, that's not bad. I was like, that's not too bad. And then I hit circuit done. I was like, there's another one. And then I did the next one. I was like, there's another one. And I just kept going. I was like, holy shit. I woke up the next morning. I couldn't move anything. Like you broke every part of me, like everything, nothing. I'm jumping up and down. I'm doing round. So it's a, it's an, and it's a nice mix of like, you know, at the, at the end it's cardio and, you know, it's, it's really, really good. You did a, you did a great job for, with it. So I just wanted to give you that feedback. Sorry um, about being paralyzed temporarily. I was temporarily, <laughs> temporarily, uh, par- I even, I even got, uh, I'm doing prunes before I go to sleep now, like an old man I'm doing, you, know, you told it. me to do prunes. I got to bet. My wife's like, <laughs> I don't think she meant, I got a bag this big. She's like, I don't think she meant that many prunes. You mean 10 prunes? Yeah, yeah. I was like, if I'm if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. She's like, okay, good luck. App, the one that you, the Fit With app in the Apple store, or did you do the other app? I have two different programs. So Tell there's me. one that's a little more personalized. I'll send you a code and get you a, a couple months free on the personalized one. Is it Fit With Wit app or is it Find Your Fit With Wit? It's that one. Okay, so that's the Apple app, which is a little more just, you know, general programs, but I have a personalized, very customized program, which I can tailor to you, your needs, all of that. I would love that. Yeah, I'll do it. That fits your macros. So I'll get, I'll send you a link. I'll do it. And I will, I will share it with everybody. It's, it's interesting here in Italy. So this is an interesting conversation, right? So I'll, I'll switch here for just a second. I don't want to get too crazy with fitness, but it's interesting being here because all the Italians, they're not Tony Soprano Italians here. They're all <laughs> this then. And I wake up in the morning and they're having Cornetto, which is basically some sweet, like a croissant, right? Then, yeah. you know, then for lunch, it's two, three courses with wine. For dinner, it's two, three courses with wine, dessert, and a digestive. Yeah, right. Like this, but they're all thin. thin. Right. What the hell's happening here? Well, I think also I spent some time in Europe too. It's like you can literally eat the <laughs> the gluten dairy sweets there and it is not near as harmful to your body as it is here in the states because there's not as many chemicals, it's not as processed, it, the ingredients are real, there it's so it's less inflammatory to your body, right? So all these people are you know, and there, there's also the lifestyle over there. Everybody's walking. I think naturally, just non-exercise activity, they're burning a lot more calories over there as well. But it's just not as harmful to your body. The hormones, the chemicals, the processed factor is not there. So you could you can eat like that there. And even like myself, who's accustomed to not really eating like that normally, I went over there, ate like a you know fat kid for three weeks. And I was like, oh, I feel great. You know, it didn't affect me the same way as it does. And that's what's so, this, it's a shame that it's so bad here. Like the, the chemicals and the processed foods, people don't understand how much damage it's doing to their body. Yeah, they don't have gluten there, right? Well, they don't have celiac there. 
Yeah, because like, gluten free is not even a thing out there. I don't think they because it doesn't affect your. It's not as this. It's just not the same molecularly. I think on like a molecular level, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really weird yeah. having these conversations here. Like I'm talking to people, and they're like, you know, they're asking me. You know, I'll go out to dinner one night with somebody, and they're like, "Why are your children shooting other children in schools? Why? Why is everybody on antidepressants?" in your country. And they're like, these are legitimate. Like they're, they're not argumentative. They're like, yeah. I don't understand it. Do you know what I mean? It's right. just, it's really, so it, there are, there are things politically, culturally, food wise, which is one of the driving forces that, that got us out here. And I want to talk to you guys. Where I you know you have, originally? You're I from I, New York for the first 25 years, Atlanta for the, for the second 25 years and Hermosa Beach in Los Angeles for two. And then right around, it was like a, it was a perfect storm for us. It was COVID hit, Black Lives Matter burned the city down. They were storming the Capitol. Shootings were happening. We have a seven-year-old daughter. Shootings were happening in schools everywhere. And we just said, fuck it. Like, I can't, I just, I, I can't do it anymore. I need to get out. And so... Now we're, we're living in Italy and, you know, our seven-year-old, the bus picks her up and she goes to school in a, a villa in Tuscany every morning. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Good for Chris, you. I, yeah, we did it. We did it. Chris, I want to yeah. ask you about, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, whether you're going to be, you know, fit with wit and you want to create an app, you know, and, and grow that way, or you want to do MMA stuff and you want to, you know, hit to the top. We're all starting somewhere. So one of the things you did was you were a bouncer, right? So when I think about, you know, if I get drunk in a bar and this guy who's training for MMA is the bouncer, I, this is not, this is not a good recipe for my life. Like I just, I think it's going to be crazy So talk to me about what that time in your life was like being a bouncer while you were training for MMA stuff. It was definitely interesting. <laughs> so I worked nights and then I trained during the day. I would go to work at, what was it? Probably like seven o'clock. I would get home at like three, three thirty AM sometimes. And then wow. I would be up in training at eight. Then I'd probably go home, go to bed for a little bit longer, go back to training, go back to work. It became like a big cycle where that was like my whole life. But it was good. It, it gave me a chance to get ahead, like training wise, started working out during the days and it, it helped me progress. The bouncing part of it, the funny part is I was the only guy there that was actively fighting and doing stuff like that. They were just big guys. But I was the most likely to be able to just talk to people and have them leave if they needed to leave. I didn't. By that time, you know, I'm getting beat up in the gym during the day and stuff. So my ego was in check and I'd been humbled plenty of times. So I started taking the nicer approach a lot of times at work. And it seemed to work a lot better than certain bouncers that just want to act tough. Mm -hmm. I would just have a conversation with people when I walked up and be like, listen, you know, I was told that you did this and you need to leave. It's not on me, but I would just appreciate it if you walk to the door and usually they were like, all right, let me pay my tab. Or, I mean, there were times that that didn't happen, but more often than not, if you just go over to people respectfully and tell them, Hey, you messed up. A lot of people I was surprised would own up to it and be like, yeah, you're right. I also feel yeah. like the, the real martial artists, like the true ones that practice the craft and they have enough experience. They're not the ones that have to act like a tough guy. 
Like they're not trying to pound their chest and have all this machismo stuff. It's like, they don't need it because they literally know how dangerous they are and there's nothing to prove. So I, I found that like, usually the ones that are the most legitimately a dangerous weapon are not the ones that are barking the loudest, you know? Isn't that, isn't that so interesting? Like it's, it's like when you have the goods, you don't need to flex them because mm -hmm. you have them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. It's like a Rottweiler and a Chihuahua. Which one do you think barks more? <laughs> that's a, that's, but you listen, this, this goes in all kinds of different things. I just interviewed right before you, a lady who she sold a, she created a, uh, a, a product that helped women increase their uh, sex drive by raising their their hormones because apparently this is a this is a big issue for women. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's crazy, right? She, anyway, she exited for a billion. She got a billion cash, wow. one billion cash, and she wakes up still with the same drive to want to. Um, help people. And I said, well, what, what's, I said, well, why, why you can do anything you want? She said, well, you know, like, yeah, I can do anything I want. And, but what I really want to do is I want to make a difference in the world. So it's interesting when you have something, you behave differently, whether it's, I've got the ability to kill you with my hands. So I'm going to speak nicely to you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like, it's interesting when you have it as opposed to, you know, the douchebag that's in the club that's peacocking, you know, trying to pick up every girl in the bar because he's got no game, but he's the one that like is trying to let you know what game he had. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's really yeah. interesting to me. Um, yeah, I, I fight people every day, so I don't feel the need to go out and do it. All right, that's work. Yeah. yeah, don't make yeah. me work right now. Yeah, it's like working outside <laughs> and, and not getting oh, paid. And, no, and I'm not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, 2006, was it? You wound up on Ultimate Fighter season 11. What year was that? I think it was 2010. 2010, okay. And yeah. what was that experience like for you? It was short. It was it was good though. So I, I learned a ton in that like short period of time. Basically, I was chosen to be a member of the cast and I was leaving out of Denver <laughs> International Airport. So when I checked in, I saw that I had a return ticket for like two days later. So I that made me know that I had to fight once I got there because they didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me that if I was just like on the show, because they had done some seasons where you just automatically go to the house. And then they'd done other ones where they bring double the amount of people and they make you fight. And then the winners stay and the losers go right back home. So I went from telling everybody I wasn't going to be back for six to eight <laughs> weeks to seeing that I already had a pre-booked plane ticket. <laughs> back in two days. So I was like, wow. So I called my manager and my coaches. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely fighting when I get there because I just saw the plane ticket. So I got there. I fought a guy that I was just hanging out with in the interviews, you know, when we were casting for the show. <laughs> One guy that like I happened to be friends with was my opponent, go figure. Yeah. And we had like a, a battle. So it was supposed to be a two round fight it was tied after two rounds, so they made us fight an extra round. And I broke his orbital, like his bone, and he broke my jaw. So it was back and forth. <laughs> um, but we didn't know that my jaw was broken yet. So I won. I got to move into the house. 
you know, they do the, if you've ever seen the show, they do the thing where people pull up and go running in the house. Well, I was the last fight before that. And I had a broken jaw. So I kind of get out of the van really slow and I don't even care where my room is. I'm just trying to like keep my life together. So I was there about another week before they found out that my jaw was broken. And then they ended up um, telling me I had to go home because I couldn't compete in the tournament medically. So then I was home a week later instead of a day later and telling everybody that I was going to be gone for six weeks. <laughs> you know, it just, it just dawned on me that when this is a, this is for, for, for Whitney, it just dawned on me that when you look the way you do and have the body you have, the only way you can walk around in life is by having an MMA fighter that's with you. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way. Because Honestly, if you listen, if you were with a girl, if if you, I, listen, I was just about to say, if you were with a girl like me, if you were with a guy like me, I, there's nothing I could do. I mean, there's like you, you forget it. I mean, you 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 have to have this guy. There's no way around it. It's true. <laughs> it's true. He comes in handy, you know. I bet he does. So I want uh, Whitney. I want to talk to you about wearables. There's a lot of people in the fitness space. I don't know if you know much about this, but I'd love to know your thoughts if you do. There are people who are wearing Whoops, Fitbits putting glucose, continuous glucose monitors on themselves. What's your thoughts on that as a practice? I need to play around with it more myself, but I think data can be very, very helpful. I think if you just have some data points on what to compare to, what your recovery time is, what your sleep is like, how much calories you're burning without exit, you know, data is nothing but helpful unless... I have found with certain clients that come to me with either like body dysmorphia, eating or eating uh, disorder issues, stuff like that, where they have this unhealthy kind of obsessive relationship with food, right? I think you really need to get a better, healthier relationship surrounding food, fitness, calories, that obsessive thing. If it's too much for you, sometimes those data points are actually counterproductive because then you'll start to obsess too much. You know, you're, you're going into, you know, if, if these numbers aren't perfect, then your cortisol levels are spiking. And then all of a sudden you're stressed about what's happening here. And that is the biggest killer to any progress anyways. So it doesn't matter yeah. how many steps you're doing a day. If you're stressing about it, it doesn't matter if your calories are perfect. If you're stressing about it, you are really backfiring on your progress and all of the hormones that are released into your system from cortisol and stress is just, you know, it's kind of, so I, I guess it just depends on your frame of mind and your relationship with food, with your own fitness journey. But I do think that they can be really valuable data points. I think the more data, the better in terms of just, okay, how can I improve my habits with these data, this information, right? So kind yeah, of depends I think on no, I think I think you said it perfectly. That's exactly my experience. So I got this uh, whoop and I started wearing it and I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, I, I didn't, I fucked up my sleep. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. it was, I didn't do good. I didn't get enough uh, deep sleep. I didn't get enough, you know, you know, all these different things. And so every, I found up every morning I was like pissed off 
that I wasn't yeah. hitting my numbers, but I was asleep. I mean, like, so I was like trying to, it got crazy. I was like putting blackout curtains and changing the temperature and like, you know, taking this before blue I went to the blue bed. Like I look like my wife was like, <laughs> my wife was like, just, I can't with you anymore. So I just, I had to get rid of, I had to get rid of this. Okay. So now I want to talk about, I want to move into uh, what you guys are doing in Amalfi. So I think this is really interesting because you, you've got your MMA thing, you got your fit with wit thing, and yet you're still doing something to get, and you're doing something together that are bringing, I suppose, people that follow the two of you guys together and bringing them on a trip. So where did the idea come from? Why are you doing it? And who's it for? And I'll let, I'll let Whitney start with that one. And then we'll, we'll, we'll let, we'll let you chime in. Yeah, I think, well, you know, we, we share common threads in general with the fitness and the travel. And I, I always wanted to do some sort of, you know, travel excursion. And I kind of, I think my whole purpose with getting into travel, getting into more leisure, you know, enjoy your life, have balance, because I came from competing in the bodybuilding world where, you know, while you're training for these things, you're in total deprivation, you're obsessing about every calorie, you have no balance in life, you are feeling super depleted, deprived, and you're like, I'm doing it, you know, I'm putting in all this work, but you can't enjoy your life, right? So it's not sustainable. And the, the more I got into coaching after that, the more I realized the more people are obsessing about perfection, optimal their results are, right? And, and it's just like more of an uphill battle. And it's like, what's the point of doing all this hard work if you can't enjoy your life, right? So I noticed with my own approach, once I allowed myself to, you know, to the point where certain people, they won't even see their friends, family go on trips if they're on a fitness journey because they're like, well, I can't get off my regimen. As soon as I dropped that thinking and really had to separate myself from that and started rewarding myself with going on trips, having a glass of wine, you know, having dessert every once in a while, having balance and allowing myself to enjoy the things that I loved while knowing, you know, that I'm going to stay on track for the most part, you can still stick to your fitness mission, whatever. My body felt so much better. My energy was so much better. My mental health, my gut health. So... I really was like, you know what? We need to find ways to allow people to enjoy themselves, experience the world. You know, it's like there's so much out there. There's so much fun and good in the world. There's no reason why you can't have both, right? So these what these retreats were sort of that idea of celebrating your hard work, enjoying, still starting every day on the trip with something active, being active, doing active activities on the trip while you're seeing these cool things. But like having that balance, enjoying it. So I started Trip With Wit, you know, because there's a fit with wit. And so just sort of hand in hand. Very kitschy. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and the first the first retreat was great. It sold out very quickly. We were so excited about it. There were some COVID complications that ended up coming into play. But we're like, no, let's, let's keep going. And it was the perfect partner in order to like come on these, these trips, help host them. We could add in a little self-defense to our workouts because, you know, learn, learning a new skill, keeping it fun, and then just having this really fun group atmosphere. Like Chris and I love to travel together. It's a huge passion of both of ours. And fitness is a, is a huge passion as well. And it's like kind of bringing that culture and that sort of lifestyle to the group. So I we're really excited about it. You know, it's going to be 
really fun. We have we we have good things on the horizon in terms of just wanting to expand this side of the business as well. And you know, the the kind of preaching that mission and that philosophy. Yeah, right. I mean, if you if you're going to be working hard, particularly with your body, you're going to want to enjoy it. What are we, what are we doing all this for? We're not we're not doing it so that we can you know look good in the bikini in our living room. We want to we want to experience it um, yeah. around the world. Chris, the the last event that you guys did or uh, <clears throat> retreat that you did was where the last retreat we had was supposed yeah. to be in Costa Rica, but due to COVID, we had to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Did you go? Did you do one before this, or is this going to be your first one? This will be our first one going forward. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. I think this is going to be really, really exciting. So who would you say is the right person? If somebody's listening right now and they're like, well, they sound like cool people and this would be fun. Who do you think is the right person? If you had to paint a picture of the right person that you would want to be with and you think that they would get value from, well, how would you describe that person? We'll start with Whitney. I love the the travelers that were signed up on the last retreat. A lot of the stories when I got to know a lot of them, because we kind of get to know each other before the trip. And what was the reason? Why did you want to come on this trip? And a lot of them were on their own personal mission, kind of of self-discovery, or they're on a healing journey, or they're trying to reward themselves after they've, you know, been through it. The world's been through a couple of tough years, right? I mean. So a lot of people were just like, you know what? I want to reward myself post-divorce or mm-hmm. it, or show myself that I can go on a solo travel trip and know that I'm doing it in a safe, you know, I'm in with a group, but sort of this journey of self-discovery. We also had a lot of great couples that were signed up as well that were like, we want to go and have fun and, and have that balance. And people that just have that like-minded, you know, mindset of the fitness of be, you know living a healthy balanced life exploring the world uh, exploring themselves their own potential their own you know getting in touch with their own spirit i think is the ideal group and usually the common thread between anyone we see that that books this trip or these retreats you know someone that's just open open and wanting to experience good things Chris, are you are you more inclined to be around people in a certain age group, a certain fitness level, entrepreneurs versus business people? What's what's your feeling on who you'd want on these trips? I think she kind of hit it on the head. I was thinking just mostly like open-minded people, right? Because <clears throat> her and I, we have fun everywhere we go. That's the thing. But we also, everywhere we travel, we always work out and do fun stuff that's active. Um and even if we're lazy on the beach, we kind of do a little workout just so we feel good because yeah. both of us personally, we're going to work out after this. Usually if I go a few days without working out, like my body just starts to feel crappy and it's not like for looks or anything, like my energy is lower, all sure. of that. We're looking to have fun on our workout with a bunch of people that are like-minded that just enjoy traveling. It'll be a fun group, lots of excursions and like activities but also some downtime, just being open-minded to any of those. Maybe you come on one of our trips and one of the excursions is something that you never thought about doing, but you're open-minded enough to try it. Not on this one, but say we wanted to go like bungee jumping or whatever. <laughs> we talked about doing an extreme sports one. Maybe it terrifies you, but you're open-minded enough to come with us and take the chance and do it. 
it can change your life. Sometimes you find things just like I fell into my career. I told you I never went there planning on fighting or anything. I was just open-minded enough to try it. Sometimes by accident, great things can happen. And I think that we put the right vibe out there for the right group of people to come and we'll make friends for a lifetime. You know, we still keep in contact with people that we meet traveling. Yeah. I think also with the age group, it's like we we've had travelers that have booked anywhere from late twenties to early fifties. It's Mm. sort of like, it's more about the mindset of just who is game. And there are, there are certain people that are like, Oh, I don't want to go if it's just like a bunch of hot fit people in bikinis, you know, and it's not that vibe at all. It's really about, you know, uh, we've had such a nice balance of travelers that have booked that it's, it's sort of the, that, just welcome group vibe. Honestly, we're really easy. Like we're really, I would like to think we're really easy to get along. We might look maybe a little intimidating, (laughs) like he's a fighter and I, I do modeling and fitness and it's like, but at our personality and anyone that hangs out with us knows we're very chill. We're very goofy. We're very open. We're very just easy, (laughs) you know? So unless you mess with us, then we're not. (laughs) No, I don't, I don't want to mess with either of you. Um, So I want to talk to you a little bit about traveling. I understand that you guys, there was, there was a time during this uh, whole COVID period where you wound up getting quarantined in a, in a hotel room. If I understood correctly you you were quarantined for a month Did, does that sound right so yeah i was fighting in atlantic city when was that april mm. end of april i think just two different quarantine yeah two different times so the promotion that i fought for kind of told us what was it like a month before two months before by the way you're gonna have to quarantine in the hotel for the first time was 17 days before the fight um, so none of my coaches could go because that's a long time. They own businesses, they have kids, everything. So my partner in crime here. So was I was like, the coach. <laughs> I was the nutrition coach, the corner. I did the Vaseline on his face right before it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, so she was like, well, I'll go. I'll, I'll quarantine with you and, and hang out and I can just work from the hotel room and, I don't know if she knew fully what she was getting into. <laughs> it was a lot. Because there's just like literally, we, I, I think we barely got a fridge. It was a lot for one hotel room for trying to, to keep our active minds, you know, it was like luxury jail. It was. I got a lot of were work you, done. Were you able to leave the hotel room? <laughs> yeah. Kind of. You have like a, we had a floor <laughs> that we were like, we had one floor that we had like two or three different rooms that we could go into to work out. Like they had like a little workout room, which was fine. So that was good. But you, and then I think there was a balcony. It was like very limited space to where you're quarantined and the whole group is quarantined too. And mind you, he's quarantining with his opponent as well and his future opponents for the tournament. So we're sharing elevators and very tight spaces with the guys that he's <laughs> going to try to take his head off. <laughs> In a couple of weeks, it was a very interesting experience, but and it was her first time being like in the corner going to, I think going to an MMA fight, right? Or it was first, going... it was my first, yeah. I mean, that an MMA fight, yes. But so she, it was a very interesting, yeah. What does, what does, how long have you guys been together? What, a year and a half, maybe? A year and a half? Almost, yeah. Almost and how long half. were you together 
when you were in Atlantic City? It would have been a little almost over a year. a year or yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, almost. Okay. Almost so, so at the end of 17 <laughs> days, <laughs> obviously it wasn't that bad because you're still sitting next to each other. But at the end of 17 days, what did you, I'll start with Whitney. What did you <laughs> learn about Chris in that 17 days together? I mean, I would say <laughs> we were pretty tight before then too, but I think the biggest thing that impressed me actually was that we did not fight. We just did not fight. And I'm a feisty, you know, I can be, I can be a feisty partner if you mess with me. And we just, I think it was a huge testament to I'm like, this just is like a, such an easy fit. It was very actually shocking. I was like, I'm surprised that we didn't get on each other's nerves. We didn't, you know, I'm sure I kind of got on your nerves a couple of times, but we didn't, we didn't bicker. We weren't like, oh my God, I never felt annoyed. Like, ew, I just need to get out of here, you know, because of him. There were a couple of times with the hotel room that I was like, I could really get some fresh air. But that was a big lesson in just like, wow, the compatibility is, it's a big, like, it's a huge factor, I think. I think a lot of couples we end up getting together and you end up making a lot of compromises, which is what you have to do to make a relationship work. But I do truly believe that there are some people that just in terms of compatibility, it's just such a better fit and it's just going to be such an easier ride. Not to say that other compatibilities won't work and you can't make exceptions, but we just have never had that thing where you're having to to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. So, So refreshing of like, Wow, I can't believe I can get along with someone like this. <laughs> like, All right, Chris, what about what about you? What was 17 <laughs> days in lockdown with this one like? I learned that she drives me insane. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just uh, we honestly did not. I swear we didn't fight one time. She actually made it very fun for me. I mean, we're we're giant children for the most part. Mm-hmm. Even like I hate saying we're going to be 35. We almost have the same birthday. Mm-hmm. Almost, we're going to be 35, but. I feel like we were kids. Like there were days we were like jumping on the beds and like videotaping it. <laughs> we were copying scenes from movies. We ended up ordering an inflatable bathtub that didn't work. <laughs> I don't know. We're just like children. Sometimes we bought things on Amazon just because they were hilarious <laughs> to have come to the room. Uh, you to hit delirium when you're buying random Amazon things, sending it to a hotel in Atlantic City. Right. Yeah. My friends were quoting, like commenting because we were posting like stories on Instagram and stuff. They're like, you guys are losing it. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but we have fun. And it, it was so much better than like going by myself or just with a, a couple of guys. I think Whitney did a good job of like keeping my life normal during that. Fight times are super stressful. Right? I'm getting ready to fight somebody that's been training to beat me up forever. So there's enough stress and anxiety in that. So having her there was like home in the room where I wasn't just thinking about fighting all the time. Yeah. When I travel with coaches and corners, kind of all we talk about is like the fight training all of that so your brain never like steps away all right so the 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 russians called me and they said you almost went to jail (laughs) and they weren't going to let you leave the country what happened there chris Uh, so i've again a lot of my trips are involved with fighting that's how i've gotten to see a lot of the world and extend my trip 
But one time I flew to Russia to fight, to St. Petersburg. Well, I didn't realize that visas were such a big deal there. Visa wasn't long enough. So the day to leave, I'll just fast forward. Like had a good time in Russia, got to sightsee, do all that after the fight. And the day comes to leave, or maybe the day before, and my visa is not long enough. And they're telling me, I call the airport. I'm like, hey, my visa is not long enough for what I need to do. And they're like, there's nothing you can do. You'll go to jail. <laughs> like, and I was like, wait. You're <laughs> I was like, we're just talking about the visa, right? And they're like, you go to jail. All of these things. And yeah. so I start. You don't need any trans. You don't need any translators for that sentence. You got it. Yeah. Well, the thing about Russia too is like they don't even have the same alphabet, so it's not like Spanish where you might not know Spanish, but you can read. You can make it. You can make it out. Yeah. So I spent a day going around all these buildings. Like I went to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, all these government buildings, and everybody was like, "Get out! We can't help you." And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm using Google Translate, walk around. They're like, there's nothing you can do. You should have had a longer visa. So they told me basically Russia, Saudi Arabia, and North Korea are like the only countries in the world right now that you have to have an exit visa. So you have to have a visa to leave the country. And so I start panicking. Nobody will help me. You're not allowed to be in the hotels with an expired visa. They check it. So I'm like sneaking in the back of the hotel that I'm staying at. And oh my God. it becomes a nightmare. So <laughs> I finally called the U.S. Embassy because they told me what would happen is I turned myself in, I would be arrested, you go to jail for 30 days, and then they'll deport you. <laughs> and I was like, if I go to jail in Russia, I don't even speak the language. Like, I'm going to end up in a work camp or something. You'll never see me again. Oh my God. And so I called the U.S. Embassy and I get a hold of a guy, or he calls me back, and I was like, so happy to hear like an American voice call me. <laughs> and I explained to him the issue and he was like, all right, here's what I need you to do. Give your friends my number, all of this. He's like, if you go to jail, make sure that they call me instantly. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Like he's like prepping me to be arrested. <laughs> and then he was like, and I'm don't gonna... drop the soap. <laughs> yeah, no, matter, no matter what you do, it's not good in the gulag. And he's like, I'm going to call you back with some answers soon. So I was like, all right, but kind of nervous. Like, he's, it's the U.S. Embassy. How am I ever going to get a hold of the same guy again? Like, I hope he calls me back. So he calls back a few hours later. And mind you, my flight is that day. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I can't get on this plane. So he calls me maybe like two hours before. And he was like, all right, here's, I've got it sorted out for you. Here's what you need to do get this paperwork filled out. You need to pay a fine. You need to get this stamped all at the airport. And he was like, again, make sure your friends have my number. If anything happens, have them call me immediately. So I get to the airport and I'm going through immigration and you step into this box and they get my passport and instantly both sides close. Like I can't go forward. I can't go backwards. It just shuts. And the, the guy behind the glass just walks out. So I'm standing in this booth, not knowing what's going on. And they come in and they're like, all right, come with us. And they open it to go backwards and they take me to these offices. Luckily, they just wanted to check my paperwork and everything. Then they stamped it. And to my understanding, I'm not allowed to go back for 10 years. 
They take I that thought, very seriously. I, I thought of I thought of you this morning. Uh, my wife my wife showed me this picture. There was a there's a porn star in Russia who went in front of the Kremlin and she just lifted her skirt so that you could see her her like thong underwear and took a picture of like kind of like putting her ass to the Kremlin. She got two weeks in prison for the photo. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. And and here's the irony. The irony is, is it is okay to be a porn star in Russia. No problem. Yeah. But if you take a picture in your, (laughs) do not flash a thong in front of the, in front of the, is it the Kremlin? Is that what they call the one that looks like a, an ice cream cone? What's that one called? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. The one in red square. Anyway, crazy stuff. All right. One more, one more. Whitney, you, you went to Peru and you did ayahuasca. What was that experience (laughs) like? Was it all that it's cracked up to be? Is it all that everybody says it is? What was it like? It was, so ayahuasca in Peru is supposed to be one of the most legitimate, you know, you have the greatest shamans there. It's supposed to be the most conducive environment for that kind of, you know, plant medicine healing. I, it was my idea. I was so excited about it. We go up into this cabin that's literally, it's more like a hut, honestly, in the middle of the mountains, like so far from actual, any kind of civilization there. So it was a little like, ooh, as soon as you get in there, there's literally like an oxygen tank, a doctor to go through all these medicals. So it was kind of intimidating. I'm like, oh my God, what if we like overdose and die or something? What is supposed (laughs) to happen? Were you guys together? No, this I was, was before, okay. you weren't there. Okay. This is before we met and you have to go on a certain cleanse for like a week or two before. And there's a special diet and make sure you're not on any medications and all this stuff. And I was already very jet lagged because it was the first, it was the first day that we got there or the second day. So very jet lagged, the altitude, I was like altitude sick. I had a horrible headache, horrible migraine. So I was already kind of going into it like, I'm not feeling great. And you're supposed to, I mean, some people will literally shit their pants and throw up when they do. (laughs) (laughs) So I was already not feeling good. I was like, oh God, this could be a bad like situation. Right. I was with two other friends. They were having these great, you know, and it's like an eight hour trip. So you take the dose of the medicine and they go through kind of like your psychiatric history as well and like different traumas and things. So depending on your background and your trauma and your history, you either get a higher or a lower dose of the medicine. Well, they started me out with a lower dose of medicine because I have some stuff in my you know history that they were just to be careful. Well, nothing was happening. An hour later goes by, my friends start tripping and they're having these like laughing, crying. I'm like, what are they seeing? I'm not seeing right. shit. So I, right. they give me another dose of the medicine. And then an hour later, nothing's still happening. I take a third dose. So, but this time I'm, I have more than anyone in this room. Oh yeah. And all it did was get me really, really sick. It pissed me off because I was like this, I was so looking forward to this transformational, you know, spiritual thing. And I don't think, I mean, it wasn't the medicine's fault. I think certain people, it's sort of like the shaman kind of sat me down and was basically said, you have more to purge before you can kind of get to that layer of true, you know, enlightening experience to this. Like, and I did at the time in my life, I was sort of still had these negative attachments to me and there was still more to work through. And I, so I don't think that the medicine necessarily didn't work. I think that it forced me to take a look and 
do even more dive deeper into more of just kind of healing and healing from trauma and stuff. So I do, I am curious. I want to go back again. Sometimes they recommend doing it like multiple nights in a row. There are certain places you can go and do it a bunch of times, but I couldn't go back because the next day we were off on a 12 day hiking excursion through Peru and Machu Picchu. So, you know, it will be something I revisit again at some point, but it was... That story is the exact reason why I think I'll never do ayahuasca. That is my (laughs) biggest fear. My biggest mm-hmm. fear is that it's just, they're going to give me one, it's not going to work, two, and then I'm going to want to puke in. So, and then, yeah. then, it, then it sounds horrible. Okay, so as we wrap up, I'm going to ask each of you guys some, some weird personal questions. Just roll <laughs> with it. It's uh, sort of like a first thing that comes to mind round. Think of it as like a lightning round. We'll do Whitney first. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? Superpowers... Mm-hmm. I have a great twerk. I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it right there. Most people, most people are just going to have to imagine because they're listening to it in the gym. Chris, what I, I am stuck on that twerk though. I have to say, Chris, what keeps you, what keeps you up at night? Not much. <laughs> I can shut my brain off pretty easy. But no, I stress on probably like most people, I stress on things that I need to get done that I haven't done from procrastinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Wit, uh, do you, do you like wit or Whitney? Either one. You don't care. Okay. Okay. Do you collect anything or have you ever collected anything? Collected. That's a great question. I can tell you. (laughs) What do I collect? Let's see. You collect powders because you're like the powder lady. Powder? All the supplements that I, all the supplements I love trying and using honestly probably would be it because I just, I'm like, oh, this looks cool. Let's try this. He's like another powder. She walks around with like a bag of baggies of powder. Even when we travel, she, like her backpack. She's like Pablo Escobar getting through the airports. Yeah, uh, but they're all supplements and vitamins. Yeah, I got it. Chris, what do people never ask you? What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? you like, they always ask me on MMA stuff. I guess life outside of fighting. That's why this podcast was great. <laughs> Good, cool. Wait, what is the one thing that you want to get better at outside of fit managing my business really well like very streamlined it's one thing i'm really working on right now is just getting everything building that empire <laughs> chris what book or audiobook have you re-listened to or reread the most i would say extreme ownership jocko you read that book by jocko yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a great guy Great guy. I read that sometimes now. I love that book. I could see why you'd love that book. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Whitney, what is your guilty pleasure? Hmm. Probably it depends. Donuts. I don't know. D- donuts, get eating edibles on the couch and just eating like a fat kid and watching movies and just being a lazy degenerate uh-huh. occasionally yeah, is yeah netflix favorite. netflix and 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 couch comes up a lot i got it chris weird question for you but what's on your nightstand <laughs> coconut oil <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna leave i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that there i don't know what the hell you're doing with it but that's that fine <laughs> it's i mean between her twerking and your coconut oil on it i i don't know what the hell's happening there <laughs> whitney what is one what is one thing you own and probably should throw out? 
you probably should throw this out, but you're not going to do it. Hmm. Probably the like half of the exercise equipment in my uh, closet. <laughs> That you, I'm like, that you, don't use a lot of it at home. Usually just keep it simple with bands and yeah. Couple fake plants. All right. Two, <laughs> two, two, two more questions. Chris, what is one thing that you're afraid of right now in your life? Um, not enjoying my life. Like we got into earlier. I want to find things that I enjoy. I've had regular nine to five jobs and it just wasn't for me. So I don't want to ever get stuck in that spot where I have to do that. Love that. All right. We're going to change things up. Each of you guys, this is for both of you. We'll take one each. What one question, Whitney, would you like to ask me? What is the secret to your marriage? It's a great question. I heard a, I heard a great quote the other day from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And they asked her this question and it really resonated with me. So I'll share it as the beginning to my answer. And she said, her mother-in-law said to her when she got married, sometimes it pays to be a little hard of hearing. (laughs) And there is a lot of truth to that because we, there are times when I can be a complete dick and she doesn't see it. And she's like, he's in a moment. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she's willing to let that letting, go. And the, just mm-hmm. letting it, just letting it, don't die on that, don't die yeah. on that hill. I don't, I'm not going to die on that hill. I don't need to be right. And I am not going to die on that hill. So sometimes I think you have to be willing to pick and choose and go, it's not, I, I don't give a fuck. It's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like in the whole scheme of things, am I going to, because I think what happens is you start collecting these hills that you keep dying on. And then before you know it, you're constantly digging your feet in this and that and this, and then there's no, there's, there's no flow anymore. So that would be, that would be the, the first part of my answer. The second part is you guys already have it, which is that you both like to do similar things. When you enjoy doing that, there's nothing where I was married, uh, we've been married 15 years, but I was married before that. And I love traveling. She hated traveling. And it was like, that's one example of it. You know, for me, it's like, you know, that rush when you like book an airline ticket and you're like, we're going in seven days and we get on the plane. And like that feeling for her was torture. She was like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to pack. I don't want to get on the plane. I don't want to go to another. So when you're not, when your natures are mm-hmm. not in alignment, your nature, you're both into fitness, you're both into travel, you're both into entre- So those kinds of things lend mm-hmm. itself that when you get quarantined in the room for 17 days, you're ordering weird, weird shit on Amazon, rolling with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? Does, that make, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah totally. Okay. All right, cool. Chris, for you, what one question would you- You're from New York, correct? I grew up in Queens, yeah. Yeah, I love New York. How often do you have to get New York on people in Italy? <laughs> never. Really? Ne- never. When I was in oh, Italy, well, I was one of the worst drivers that I'd ever seen. Like, they're horrible. Where, where were you in uh, Italy? Bellagio. But I can't remember where I'm going through on the way there. 
Bellagio. You mean Il Bellagio, the island next to uh, Como or which one? I believe so. Yes. Okay. You know, look, here's the thing. I, because I grew up in New York, I understand the second generation Italians well. Most of them are from like Naples, right? That that kind of vibe, right? It's it's chaos. Like in you, you're going to see this when you guys go to Amalfi. You're going to have to go to Naples first, and Naples is like another country. Like it's not even Italy. It's like a whole other country. They will steal your socks with you wearing them. Like you got to be careful. But with that chaos is this beautiful passion for life in, you know, where pizza was created and opera was created. Like it's all there and they're so passionate, right? That in Florence, it's not that way because it's not Milan. I just did an event in Milan, which I'll tell you about uh, offline, but Milan is like very civilized and wealthier and it's like New York, right? And then Naples, where you guys are going for Amalfi, is like chaos. But Florence in the middle is polite, Tuscan, if you if you get a feel for that. It's, you know, it's Francis Mays under the Tuscan sun. Do you know what I mean? Where they, people here are calm and they're, they're, they're talking about wine and pasta and and enjoying life. So I, you don't have that here. And I've only been here for three months. So I haven't spent that much time traveling to chaos. And I don't have a car here because I don't need one. I could walk everywhere because it's just a village. So ask me that question in six months. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you if I got to go Queens on somebody. <laughs> so uh, do you guys have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? I actually am curious about one more thing about yep. your, yep. your Go ahead. life in Italy. Yep. Um, would you say, because, you know, when I went over to Europe, it's like you, you literally feel there's a, just a completely different pace in mm-hmm. Europe. People take their time to enjoy their lunch and to have a glass of wine and to just talk and enjoy each other. And they don't work to, you know, they don't live to work. They work to live. And then yep. the priority is kind of that balance, right? So would you say, because you you come from, you know, you've been in LA, you've been in New York, you kind of have probably a hustler American mentality at your core as well. Yep. Would you say that it is changing you fundamentally to take a page out of their book And is it a good change for you? And is it something that more Americans need to take a page out of their book? You just gave me chills. And the reason why you gave me chills is because there's nature. I I believe I, I just came up with this. There's nature, nurture, and neighborhood. So the neighborhood dictates how you interact. So in other words, if you're, if you're an alcoholic and you put yourself in the bar, the neighborhood, you're going to behave a certain way. But if you take yourself, or potentially, if you take yourself out of that neighborhood and you put yourself in AA meetings and around people who don't drink, you're Mm going to behave another way. I knew that I'm 55. In order for me to put myself in a place where I was going to enjoy the second half of my life, that I needed to change the neighborhood. I needed to change my surroundings. And I was right. Putting yourself in this surrounding my conversation is never, ever about what you do. 
with people that are here. We don't, it just that they don't, it just doesn't come up. I have spent hours talking to people about olive oil, like where, like you don't understand, they have the best. I have uh, spent, I can't tell you how much time fighting over gelato. They'll come out of that gelato is shit. This is where you go to get the bet. Like it is crazy how the environment has completely changed who I am there. They believe that the way you, they call it the Bella Figura, which is beautiful figure. They, they believe that the way you dress is important and you don't show, like I, I was talking to my, my attorney who helped us get here. We're now friends. And so he said, come, come meet me uh, for lunch at this, at this restaurant. And I said, well, I'm at the gym. Can I come in my workout clothes? And he's like, he just sends me, we're texting. He sends me a ha 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 ha. And I said, no, I wasn't joking. Can I come in my workout clothes? And he's like, no. And I'm like, why? He's like, why would you wear workout clothes in a restaurant? I was like, is it like a really fancy place? He goes, no, it's just like a local place. I'm like, well, I don't, he, he doesn't understand what I'm talking about. I don't understand what he's talking about. I'm like, what's the, what's the problem? He said, you can't walk around in workout clothes. Like you don't do that. Like it just, it doesn't happen. And I was like, oh my God, I, I just came from LA. I've been in LA for two years. I have, if you ask like in LA, I have sweats that I sleep in, sweats that I go to coffee in, (laughs) sweats that I work out in, sweats that I go like for a walk at the beach in. Like I got all these, like I don't have dressy stuff. So Mm -hmm. walking outside, it's like, it is, holy shit. It is the scarves and the jackets and the, it like, it's a sport here. I love it. Wine (laughs) is a whole thing. It's like when you, when you're talking about wine, it's a whole conversation about where the, so the environment has completely changed who I am as, as a human being. And I'll tell you, it is very difficult for me to connect with my friends in America because where their head is is a, in, in a very different place. Like they're, you know, I'm getting, <clears throat> I'm getting messages about what Biden did. And I'm like, oh, he's the, is he the vice president? No, he's not the vice president anymore. He's the president. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like disconnecting yeah. from all of it. And I feel like I'm living in fantasy islands here because I right. don't, and, and some of it I think is because I don't speak the language. I'm learning. We have an Italian teacher that comes twice a week now. But I think because I like I don't know their politics, I don't speak their language at a level, so I don't know any of that, and I'm away from all of the American stuff. So it's like it's like a rebirth in a way. It, it's it's. Really nice. I, I got to tell you, man. I I don't think I can go back. Right. I, I really don't. I know. I'm I sure. don't think I can go back. Yeah. Just it more. is. It is absolutely magical. So I'm so excited that you guys are doing what you're doing. We're going to link up in the show notes, everything we'll, we'll put, we'll put the, we'll put your MMA stuff. We'll put your fit stuff and we'll put the, the Amalfi thing in there as well so that people can get a hold of you. So thank you both for, for doing this. I, this was a lot of fun. I loved it. And we'll, like I said, we'll link everything up so people can get a hold of you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Such a pleasure. Thank thank you you so much. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game 
or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 